This week on The Reverse Stick, the race to the World Cup heats up. We talk to Indian hockey journalist Jaspreet Sani and he'll give us an idea of what's happening in grassroots hockey in India and are you a record breaker? You are with The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name's John Lee and joining me every week is Matt Allen, my co-host. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, John, and once again, it's great to be here. I'm not going to chat too much today because we've got so much to fit into this week's show. We have. We've got plenty coming up today. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with Jaspreet Sani, and it is a bit more about the backstory of what's happening in Indian hockey and um, what it's like to play hockey in that country. We don't often get the inside story there. No, do do look out for his uh, little comment about uh, turfs being used uh, <laughs> to, to uh, make sure you've got a nice home. Uh, well, everybody needs some good quality home furnishings, don't they, mate? That's right. That's and there might be some chairs made out of hockey sticks that could, that could also pop up there. Well, it could be a thriving business in India. Yes. Time for some news, Matt, and we're going to kick it off with results from the Pan American Cups which uh, concluded in the previous weekend and went pretty much to uh, script, you'd say, with Argentina taking out both the men's and women's titles there. Yeah, certainly. I think to, to script, they would be the expected sides to lift both of those trophies, although we thought the US were uh, going to run them tight, but unfortunately the US went out in the semi-final in the women's competition. Uh, they went down 4-3 to Chile, who put in an absolutely sparkling performance. The last 10 minutes of that game were at, was absolutely edge-of-the-seat stuff. Um, the US were pressing and pressing to pull back from a th- being 3-2 down. They got the goal with, with a couple of minutes to spare. Uh, the crowd were elated. They were getting behind the team. And what did Chile do? Go straight back at the other end and pop in the winner and win 4-3 with less than a minute left on the clock. Uh, it was a really great performance from Chile. And, uh, yeah, so they, they went through to the final at the expense of the US. So that was, you know, a bit of a shock for me, that one. Yeah, and I think when you look at the finals uh, themselves, I mean, they, perhaps they did go to script, but a lot closer to, than many people would have thought. I mean, Chile got lost 4-1 to the Argentina in, uh, in the final, but 4-1 in a game of international hockey isn't that far off the pace. And uh, in, the, in the men's game, the gold medal won by Argentina there as well, Canada only lost 2-0. Uh, Canada with a world ranking in the men of 11. So they're not far off the pace from, from the Argentinians at number one. No, I think that's a great performance from Canada there. The US also played the, they played the bronze medal match in the men's competition and took on our friends at Trinidad and Tobago. Yes. They got up 3-0. Um, one sort of shining light out of that, you know, I think Trinidad would, would be happy with that fourth spot, and that, that means that they do qualify for the next time around with the Pan American yep. Cups. Um, but they did also get top junior player in the competition with Tariq Marcano. So that's a little bit of a, a feather in the cap for the TNT Calypso Stickmen. Um, other winners of the awards are in the men's competition top player Matthias Paredes from Argentina. Top goalkeeper David Carter from Canada and the top goal scoring was shared between Paredes and uh, Gonzalo Payet. So uh, there was some uh, some good performances there from the Argentinians, just like you'd expect. And just uh, a quick wrap of some of those scores on the, in the men's competition, the seventh and eighth place game, Mexico beat Venezuela one nil. So Mexico finishing seventh and Venezuela eighth. Their fifth and sixth place game, Chile uh, got over Brazil four two on. Um, 
of penalties, uh, two all at full time that particular game, so that would have been a cracking effort. Uh, I dare say not too much love lost between Chile and Brazil, perhaps, on the hockey field. They'd be going after each other fairly hard. Yeah, you'd expect some South American passion <laughs> on the field. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, as we mentioned, the bronze medal game, the USA got over the top of Trinidad and Tobago 3-0, and in the men, Argentina beat Canada in the final 2-0 for the women. Fifth and sixth place, uh, Mexico lost to Uruguay, so Uruguay finishing fifth there, that game finishing 1-0. Uh, bronze medal game, third and fourth, the USA just pipping Canada 2-1. And the gold medal game for the women, Argentina beating Chile 4-1. So just, just on that with the women, the, the Canadian women world rank 19th there, so 15 places below the USA. Um, so they, they had a 1-1 draw in the pool game against the US, and that was a close one in the, in the bronze medal match there. Uh, winners of the individual awards there, Denise Krimerman from Chile was the best player. Uh, best goalkeeper, Claudia Scola from Chile. And the best under-21 player, Maria Paula Ortiz from Argentina. Top goal scorers were shared between Katsiaki from the US and Noel Barrio Nuevo from Argentina. How was that uh, pronunciation there, That John? was very good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, very good. I'm surprised, actually. I would like to say I've been practising. <laughs> so that's five, five goals for both of the, the, the ladies there in that competition. And uh, Canada looked to be a big winner out of that tournament. Might have to keep an eye on Canada in the future. They seem to be on the rise. Yeah, that's it, and it's it's competitions like these, uh, the Confederation Championships that we can see sides really start to improve. So it's uh, yeah, good good to see them doing well there. But congratulations to Argentina, both the men and the women, and uh, fifth time around, fifth time in a row, the Argentinian women have won the tournament. And there's been other tournaments going on as well, Matt. The Euros League Two. That's right. Yeah, the the what was formerly the Challenge, uh, but yeah, now now Championship Two. And that gives the opportunity for the top two teams from both the men's and women's competition to go forward into the 2019 uh, Euro Championships full-blown. We'll talk a little bit more about them coming up next week. Um, So the men's competition was held up in Glasgow in Scotland. and uh, The home of Pakistani hockey. The home of Pakistani hockey, that's right. um, Which saw both Wales and Scotland qualify for the final there. The Scots got up 2-1. Um, so it would have been, uh, you know, a lot of happy faces across uh, the UK hockey to see both of those teams now qualify for the next time around in the Euro uh, Hockey Championships. So we'll see two teams, they'll, they'll go up, and the two teams that finish bottom in the upcoming championships, they'll drop down into the, the Challenge 2 for next time, Championship 2 for next time around. Uh, so, yeah, Wales and Scotland, Scotland number one, Wales number two. And the bronze medal game, uh, France and Russia played off, and France had a 5-4 win in that game. That was a, a pretty thrilling encounter. Uh, other games on that final day, Czech Republic uh, went down 2-1 to Portugal, and uh, we saw in action a couple of the boys from South Pass. I did read on the Euro Hockey website that uh, Thiago Ventosa, who scored one of the goals, um, delighted the crowd by running up the pitch with the ball balanced on the end of his stick. We'd expect <laughs> expect nothing less from the South Pass guys there. Uh, and Ukraine beat Switzerland 5-2 in the, the final game there as well. Over to the women's competition. Now, that was held in Wales and in, in Cardiff. Unfortunately, the Welsh girls didn't make it through to the final there. They went out in the semi-finals. Uh, finalists in the competition there were Belarus and Russia. Uh, Belarus got up in the final. Uh, they're currently ranked 21 in the world, so the 10th, 10th top side in Europe. And Russia ranked 29th. So those two sides will go through into the Euro Championships 
for 2019 also. And congratulations to those teams. It's a big effort for all of those federations, you think, to drag themselves up to that level. And, oh, of course, you know what it does, mate. Two teams are going to miss out. They're going to have to start again on that road back to the Euros That's as well. right. And, and just looking at the competition uh, for the men, the, the, the two lower-ranked sides in that competition are Austria and uh, Poland. So they're the ones that are going to really be fighting for their life in this tournament to try and keep their place at the top table in European hockey. And uh, if they do, it means there'll be a shock for someone else as well. But moving on, last bit of news for today, and it concerns records, Matt. So friends of ours down here in Western Australia this weekend on Saturday the 19th of August are uh, looking to hold the largest field hockey lesson in the world. And that's being held down at a place called Perry Lakes. So if you're around and about in this part of the world at this weekend, that happens in the afternoon. Have a look at Como uh, Hockey World Record Attempt. Just do a little search for that online. Uh, so the current record is held at 509 participants, which was achieved in March 2015 by Cundall Manor School in Yorkshire. Uh, it was 498 students and 11 coaches taking part in that event. And the guys at, from Como Hockey School are certainly trying to smash that this weekend. Now, there's a few other, we thought, oh, that gets us thinking, we'll, we'll have a look at what some of the other records are around and about, so we'll just, I'll, I'll give you a few here now, John. Okay. Okay, so, most field hockey passes in one minute by a team? By a team. By a team, what do you reckon? Uh, in a minute, uh, 60, 87. Or half, half that? Uh, 43. 43, <laughs> indeed. And that was achieved by the, uh, the Punjab Youth Sports Festival in Lahore and Punjab in Pakistan in 2013. So uh, there's a group of 11 guys there playing that. And then on the very same day, they also achieved the greatest distance dribbling a field hockey ball by a team in three minutes. It's very specific, I know, but uh, give us a distance on that. Have a guess. How Mi- far they dribbled a hockey ball in three minutes? Yes. Well, 11 people all dribbling the same ball. Uh, <laughs> I think there might be some par- passing in there. Oh, is it? Like, it doesn't make it clear whether it's, it's, it's whether not a very descriptive record that one. Well, it might be one we can have a go at. So, uh, <laughs> like, well, well, I mean, nothing I'll, at all. I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give you the answer anyway. It's 979.2 meters. Uh, so that's what up and down the field ten times. As good as, yep. There or thereabouts, isn't it? Uh, longest marathon playing field hockey that goes to Chelmsford Hockey Club in the UK from 2016. They played for. 56 hours, 18 minutes and 45 seconds, which beat the previous uh, holders by over 3 hours and 48 minutes. Ooh, a lot of carbo-loading after that event. That's right. And look, they also, and this is Chelmsford Hockey in the news again, they're uh, having an attempt uh, on the 2nd of September to uh, break the record of the most players in a hockey exhibition match. So have a look at Chelmsford Hockey Club's website for that to find out a few more details. That's currently held... Uh, by the by, Otago Hockey from New Zealand. So, in 2016 in Dunedin, they had 257 players playing in a game, so which which featured local school players, past and present club players, and supporters of the club. So, watch out, Otago Hockey, Chelmsford, the you know already well-known Guinness World Record holders are coming after you with that one as well. Is that what? You mentioned something there about the juggling one. Did we get to juggle? Uh, no, so that's the highest number of people keeping a hockey ball in the air for 30 seconds. Um, and that was broken earlier on this year, or maybe yeah, just yeah. Set, set earlier this year. Um, and that was by Hockey Magia Bharat in India. And they did that on their Republic Day, the 26th of January. They had 950 participants uh, to take part in that. 
742 of those players successfully kept the ball in the air for 30 seconds. So they officially entered the Guinness World uh, Book of World Records. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a good one to go for. 742. That's beatable. Uh, they're, they're interesting. And they're, but let's be fair. They're, they're novelty records, you'd call them, in that category, novelty. Yeah, no, and there, there are other records that you see. You, you get the sort of uh, the players that have uh, got the highest amount of international appearances, the largest attendance at a hockey match. Yeah. What do you reckon that might be? Well, we had Terry Walsh on this program, and he claimed to us that he'd played in front of crowds of 60, 70, up to 100,000 people in Pakistan. But I don't think you'd be able to rely on those any records from those crowds. So I'd figure... 70,000? Oh, just a little bit less. 1978, USA versus England at Wembley. That's 65,165. Um, if only we could get some crowds like that for the Hockey Pro League when we get underway. 7,000 would be nice. Yeah, well, 4,000 is what you need for the stadium anyway. Okay. What records should we ad- admire in hockey? Obviously, you've got you know international goals and caps and those sorts of things. Is there is there some records that we, we could honour people with that aren't the, the straightforward ones? I'm dropping you in it here, I know. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know it, it's in the, when we spoke to Terry Walsh, he said that you know back in the day it was a lot harder to get your, your 100 caps than it necessarily is today. So there's maybe, there's no parity with that. You can't yeah. really compare eggs with eggs. Um, oh, jeez, what, what could be a, um, a record to be admired today? Most number of green cards without getting a yellow. <laughs> And now it's time to get to our featured interview with Jaspreet Sani, Indian hockey journalist. We spoke to Jaspreet last week and talked about some of the bigger issues in Indian hockey. But this week we're taking things to more of a grassroots level. Yeah, well, it's, it was good to talk to Jazz and uh, hopefully we'll be bringing more from Jazz over the, the next few months. And so when there's things to talk about in Indian hockey, we want to get him on and get him involved. Um, he did have a couple of grumbles um, on social media this week with regard to being able to see the Indian hockey team playing in Europe at the moment. So they oh, not geo-blocked by any chance, was just, he? No, no streaming by the looks yeah, of it. Okay. Um, so they, they, they played two games against Belgium, uh, lost 1-0 and 3-1. And then just overnight, they've, they've finished the second of two games against the Netherlands, uh, which they've won 2-1 and 4-3. Uh, brace for Manpreet in the, in the second game there. Now, bearing in mind the Netherlands stuffed Germany 7-1 in the Four Nations <laughs> tournament last week. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a young Indian squad that's out there. I think they've got nine or ten from the Junior World Cup 2016 squad, which they won yeah. um, in that side. And they've got one more game over there um, against Austria. So, uh, sorry, we can't get any vision for you there, Jazz, but uh, we'll, we'll certainly give it a mention. Oh, let's get to uh, the first of two parts today of our chat with Jazz Preetsani. You talk about the money generation that can come out of Hockey India, whether it, you know, through, through Hockey India League, for example. Is any of that cash going into grassroots programs? Of course it does. Of course. In fact, in case of Andre only, Hockey Village India uh, received rupees 2 lakh uh, of aid from uh, Hockey India for its project. So it's not that it's not going in. It does go. But somewhere down the line, uh, the corruption level is such at times with certain people that it does not, uh, the whole amount does not reach where it has to reach. Or or or, Or at some point, it is not used the way it should be used like in terms of equipment or coaching or anything. 
uh, substandard things are bought or anything like that that those things also keep happening uh, but the coaching system is i think the core issue unless that improves um, we won't be able to produce olympic medalists does a lot of the um, conversation around indian hockey is always about the elite level is uh, is that the case within the country as well is there enough discussion amongst hockey people about what goes on at the the lower levels see among hockey people yes um, those who are in the thick of things who love hockey who are either either reporting on it or playing or part of coaching or anything they do discuss every level but that's not how it will grow it that that's a stagnation point for me if it has to grow it has to be discussed by everybody who is interested in sport not just people who are interested in hockey or who are working around hockey so in that way um, if you want to give it a rating on 10 i think it will be only 5 or 4 just because people's in people involved with hockey are only talking about it not the other uh, and um, the national the nationals the hockey nationals or any other sport nationals that happen they don't get as much coverage or leverage as they should uh, in fact the ranji trophy which is the domestic tournament cricket tournament in india is widely covered is very widely covered it's even reported live tweets and all that it happens but you don't see it happening with any other sport including hockey Do you get much cut through in India? I mean, I know people talk about, oh, India's got a huge population. They help support hockey. They're the, the gold mine. But at 1.2 billion people, how do you get cut through as a sport? See, for that you have to reach out to small centres, which is again, which is again where I would like to credit Dr. Batra. He took hockey to Ranchi, Bhubaneswar, small centres. where they had not never seen an international match i remember an incident in bhubaneswar uh, where uh, for i think for the first time in my whole career i am covering hockey i saw at least a 1 km long queue for tickets wow for the india pakistan game 1 km long queue it was like a snake going all across the road wow oh actually and and that and that will happen only in small centers lucknow Uh, Lucknow had saw good crowds during the Junior World Cup. Bhubaneswar saw amazing packed houses during the Champions Trophy in 2014. And then um, uh, here in Ranchi and other small centres uh, in uh, Hockey India League, they saw good turnouts. So to to make a cut through, you have to reach to the smaller uh, the smaller uh, centres where people don't get much of international or quality hockey. Now, now I, I remember reading something about four or five years ago, Jazz, about yeah, maybe maybe four years ago, about some funding coming into Indian hockey for I don't know, 35, 40, 6-a-side or 7-a-side pitches, uh, tur- artificial turf pitches going down all over the country. Now I don't know if that happened, but we've we've also seen the move towards hockey fives at the Youth Olympic Games. and there seems to be a few more hockey fives tournaments happening around and about is there anything happening in that way in india and you know undoubtedly i think that's the way the olympics is going to go with it talking i would like to comment on a lighter note for this Com- talking about the turf pitches andrea um, exported one from uh, germany 
as a second hand turf which she wanted to lay in uh, Rajasthan okay and now and now it is being used as carpet by the villagers <laughs> they 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 cut pieces from that unlaid track or unlaid turf which was lying in one of the stores and are using it as carpets oh. at home i i hope they washed it first cuz you can get some terrible diseases <laughs> off a dirty hockey pitch <laughs> <laughs> my god matlab people don't give don't give a shit about anything that somebody is putting in a, such a huge effort to just give their kids something that they look up to beyond studies or along with studies they just just don't give it a shit it's so sad uh-huh. if that if that keeps happening that's the attitude of because it it has to it ha, it has to be a two way traffic not just the organizers or the government or the administrators can promote grassroots sports until unless it, the the parents are sending their kids to the grounds what will be the use of that as well that will be waste of money once again that's a great point jazz that's a really good point and that is jazzpreet sani indian hockey journalist who will be speaking more to jazzpreet a little bit later in the show and staying with that theme of what goes on at the grassroots level of indian hockey Well, we're going to turn our attention now to the pointy end of the global game that is hockey and that's the World Cup and we've had uh, with the conclusion of the Pan American Championships a bit more clarification about who's going to make it there and who isn't. Yeah, so uh, as we've spoken before if you win your uh, confederate individual confederation that gives you your World Cup entry. Um, but if you're already qualified, that doesn't necessarily mean that the second spot then goes out to the, the team that have got the silver from that competition. It goes back into the rankings of the Hockey World League semi-finals. So in this instance, uh, Italy now finds themselves qualifying for the World Cup, and the next cabs off the rank would then be Japan, Spain, and then Ireland. So uh, Italy qualify on the back of Argentina winning the Pan American Championship but having already qualified for the World Cup yeah, through that, the World League, that spot is now available to Italy to take. That's right. And had Chile, had they won the Pan American Cup, then they would have taken that spot and the opportunity at this time wouldn't have come around for Italy to, to join in. So but they, finished, they, they finished in sixth place. Uh, Japan finished sixth place in Joburg, so they get the next spot. And then your seventh-ranked teams... On, um, oh, that's in the women's side. That's on the women's it? side, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Seventh-ranked teams are Spain and Ireland. Now, by virtue of Spain being world-ranked 10 and Ireland being world-ranked 15, then that means that Spain would automatically get that spot. What I was thinking, though, with the coming Pro League and with the World League as will be a, a second tier to the Hockey Pro League, what is the future for the World Cup? Will we need a World Cup? What what purpose will it suit the greater hockey world to have a replication of a competition that's already going? Well, the one big advantage is that, that you can get 16 teams along to a hockey World Cup, um, so you're not being precluded because you're not part of the nine hockey pro league sides. So that's a real opportunity for a lot of nations that have been excluded from hockey pro league or have not been interested in taking part in hockey pro league to... I don't know, stick two fingers up to the FIH and the ranking system and go, well, look, look, guys, uh, we might, you might not want us in the Hockey Pro League, but we're certainly going to show you how we play the game in the World Cup. Oh, I've got a theory. Just came up with this one. Use the World Cup as a qualifier for the Pro League. It's the World Cup's every four years. The top nine teams at the World Cup 
going to the next four-year cycle of the Pro League? Well, we know it's nothing to do with hockey ability as to whether you're in the Hockey Pro League or not. It's about how good you are at administration and whether you've passed the test from the FIH. Uh, what's the name of the committee? Oh, oh it was the... The EPIP. EPIP, that's right, that's right. the EPIP. Um, well, I think there was a couple of federations that could quite easily and managed the Hockey Pro League and done a very good job of it, but decided that they didn't want to really follow through with the bid process. Yeah, and uh, we'd heard that maybe some countries were asking a few too many questions along the way and probably didn't do themselves any favours. No, but well, all that is in the future ahead of us, Matt. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But right now what we're going to do is take in part two of our interview with Jaspreet Sani. Actually, it's part four if you count last week as well. It's quite an extensive and long-ranging interview and you'll be able to find the entire interview on our website, www.thereversestick.net. It's there along with all the extended interviews of every guest that we have on the show. But uh, right now, it's back to Jazz Sarni. The one thing we haven't covered so far is the postponement of Hockey India League. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? See, um, it's unfortunate that it's not happening because a lot of players' livelihood depends on it. Those players I'm talking about who are uncapped, who are not playing international yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, their livelihood depends on Hockey India League because the, as much they earn from that, they don't earn... Possibly, some most of them don't earn the whole year. So, their livelihood depends on that. On that point, it is unfortunate. But from what has been declared that it will come back in 2019, I think is a very good declaration in terms of statements and all. I don't know what's the actual reason behind it is, but in terms of statements, I think it's a very good statement. Why? Because, one... Hockey India League hasn't shut down. Two, none of the franchises have opted out. So, on that count, I think it's a very uh, encouraging move. In, in terms of, even if some of the franchises were interested in opting out or exiting the league, by doing this, by postponing the league for a year, the Hockey India gave those... Uh, undecisive teams, indecisive teams, two years of time to think again. So two, or two, two years of time to get profitable again so they can afford to... Yeah, to think again or to think ways of becoming viable or find sponsors or anything like that. They got two years of time which is, I think, a good time to at least make up your mind that whether you want to do it or not rather than just two weeks that Delhi Wave Riders got to decide. Do you think, is there one big lesson that they can learn from what's happened in the past and to take forward with them into the, the regenerated league? See, uh, I think in terms of buyers who should be owning a team and all that, it's okay. It's You know, uh, you and I know that it, at the end of um, the story, it's about money. Anybody who pumps in money becomes an owner. That's correct. But I think owners should also be very uh, supportive about sport on the whole, not just about their money. Like, it's very unfortunate or it's ironical that JSW Sports, which had bought the Bangalore franchise, which had to make its debut next year, is one of the most prominent faces in India who supports 
एथलीट्स स्पोर्ट्स पीपल एंड स्पोर्ट्स ऑन द होल दे स्पॉन्सर अ नंबर ऑफ एथलीट्स हु आर प्रिपेयरिंग फॉर ओलंपिक्स एंड ऑल दैट इमेजिन इफ दैट फ्रेंचाइज और दैट दोज ओनर्स वुड हैव कम ऑन बोर्ड ऑफ हॉकी इंडिया ली आई थिंक द अप्रोच कुड हैव बीन डिफरेंट द अदर फ्रेंचाइजेस कुड हैव लर्न फ्रॉम दैम इट्स ओनली अनफॉर्चुनेट दैट दो दैट जेएसडब्ल्यू कुडेंट इवन टेक ऑफ so in th- on that count i think the owners or the employers matter as much as the uh, sponsors and the administrators if, if you are not keen to run a league because we all understand that any such franchise is an ambitious project especially in hockey which does not have enough money it will be an ambitious project and it might take you around 6 7 8 years to even break even so in that case i think the franchises also have to be very careful about deciding whether they want to take that plunge or not and if they want to take it they have to stick by it for at least i think if not more than 10 years yeah i don't think any none of the sponsors or the owners of the franchises are going ever going to go into it to make money from the that entity are they that it's it's a wider uh, part of their wider marketing strategy right they they brand their own products through it they uh, do promotions branding through uh, through these through, through hockey india league through their teams through through their uh, jerseys and all that they do that and they have got some leverage in terms of their products yeah. but in terms of making money out of the franchise i think that's a very 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 long term goal so the other big question i've got is with regard to hockey india league in the future of it is there potential for a women's hockey india league to mirror the support and the improvement that's happened with the men's game can that happen with the women's game and would there be a market for it in india one word no <laughs> okay and next question no <laughs> not, not at all at present simply no is is that a mark of of how the women's game is thought of in india or is that a purely financial thing no i think uh, it's being more taken care of now and uh, more followed now than previously um uh, especially after the they claimed bronze in the uh, few years back i guess i don't i don't remember the year when they got bronze in the world cup um so after that it got a fair bit of attention um uh but still it's it's way way off as far as hockey is concerned in india and not getting as much attention as the men's game does and uh, to be very honest uh, if we are say 5 uh, years behind um, the europeans and the australian in terms of men's game then i think we are at least 25 years behind in women's game And that's Jaspreet Sani, and hopefully we'll be hearing more from Jaspreet over the coming weeks about the state of Indian hockey. And I, you know, there's still, despite all the glitz and glamour of, you know, Indian hockey leagues and all the rest of it, and flash awards ceremonies, there's still a lot of work to be done at the grassroots of the game in India.
Yeah, absolutely. And, and it would be a hard job too, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it would be a difficult job. Yeah, you seem to be, have to please a lot, a lot of people to get anything happening. And, uh, there, there are some nefarious characters out there that are more than happy to say, oh yeah, you can, you can let this happen, but I want my cut. Where's my money? Yeah, unfortunately. I, it's not only India where that happens either. No, absolutely. <laughs> but it's just that, you know, that little bit of lack of, um, forward thinking that, Particularly programs like, like the, the Hockey Village one that Jazz spoke about. That's not just about playing hockey. That's about education as well. Yeah. It's about enriching lives, and uh, yeah, it's 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 not just a, a hockey thing, and it's certainly not a money making thing. No, Matt. Just before we get to the end of the show, some news from the Euros. Yeah, that's right. Well, the hockey tournaments just don't stop at this time of the year, and we're three days away from our time of recording from the start of the. Euro Hockey, or say the Rabo Euro Hockey Championships uh, in Amsterdam. So once again, it's another tournament where the men's and the women's uh, competitions are running alongside each other. That kicks off this Friday, the 18th of August, and it's the home side, the Netherlands women's team against Spain to start that tournament off. Also playing in the competition on the women's side, we've got Germany, Scotland, Belgium, the Czech Republic, uh, England and Ireland, so eight-team competition there. And on the men's side of things... Uh, Belgium, Austria, Netherlands, Spain, England, Poland, uh, and Germany and Ireland. Any uh, news on potential streams there? Haven't seen anything. I did see something that BT Sport would be covering things in the UK, which would mean that free streaming wouldn't be available there. Uh, it would just be interesting to see if there's uh, no geo-blocking for watching things online um, from outside of Europe. And uh, judging by the work you've been doing on the old Twitter the last couple of weeks, I'm sure you'll be all across it if there does something does pop up there. Yeah, if there's something to share, we're going to get it out there, and you can find us on Twitter forward slash the reverse stick. We'll also put it on our Facebook feed, facebook.com forward slash the reverse stick. And we did mention last week uh, our idea of getting collecting all of this and putting up a web page. It will be coming. Just had a couple of issues in the last few days, Matt, that have uh, recluded me from spending as much time as I would like doing this sort of thing so um, it, it is coming we'll try and conglomerate all of those different feeds so you, you know at least you're not having to search all over the web all the time to try and find it you can just go to one source and bang it'll be there yeah that's right so just on to our feedback then for this week oh, oh wait a sec wait wait got to play the sting mate oh. I spent minutes creating that I'm sorry mate I do apologise so on to our feedback for this week. <laughs> now, first and foremost, and I'm not going to uh, divulge the content, but I received a lovely um, message, direct message through on Twitter from Graham at Munster Hockey in Ireland. Graham, thanks so much for your kind words, and uh, that certainly spurs us on and to, to continue doing the podcast and uh, trying to share the hockey love around the globe. Um, but the, yeah, the one main bit of feedback that we got, and this is in relation. Oh, let me guess. Well, it's in relation to some of your antagonistic um, comments with regard to Great Britain, <laughs> and Britain, uh, thanks, Britain, <laughs> but more specifically with regard to uh, playing for either your individual nation or playing for GB. Now, uh, we've had a, a tweet that came through. We were tagged in on from Mark Owen in the UK, and Mark's take was. Nobody considers at GB Hockey to be a higher level to national teams. It's just how the IOC sets Olympic qualification. 
he then kindly then sent another link through yeah. um, with the details on all of that. So, sorry, you're going to say something? Oh no, I, I I get what he's saying in the tweet that it's it's all about the Olympics, and as you're about to allude to, it is totally all about the Olympics, which is begs the question: What are they going to do when eleven aside hockey goes from the Olympics? Well, yeah, it would just be re- reduced amount of players from the different nations. Well, you, well, well, should you still be allowed to play as a Great Britain if you, in an 11-a-side format? But that's that's another question for down the road, and that's probably for administrators to worry about, not players, certainly. So just for that, for anybody out there that doesn't know how, how, what the setup is, Great Britain Hockey Limited is a, a separate company which is uh, equally owned by the Hockey Associations of England, Scotland and Wales. They then choose who will be the lead nation, so that's taking care of the administration side of things, the coaching side of things. Um, it's the Great Britain Hockey Business and Performance Framework, and that that agreement uh, says that in the current cycle that England hockey take that lead role. Uh, there's a board that's set up of a member from each of those countries and then three independents um, outside of those three nations there. So you also mentioned last week with regard to Northern Ireland. Now, you are able to uh, play for England if you're from Northern Ireland, but there's no agreement with hockey within Northern Ireland because the Ulster Hockey Association uh, is tied in with the All-Ireland Hockey Association. So, you know, there, there, there is a lot of thought that's gone into it, and like you say, it's, it's, it's all about the Olympic Games, um, and it's to ensure the primacy of Great Britain hockey um, within, within the Olympic movement. And hockey's not going to be the only sport that's going to have to readjust itself to a slimline, streamlined Olympic movement moving into the future either. No, that's right. But, yeah, re- reductions in teams all over for different sports. And I don't know how they're going to do it with golf. Um, but uh, Well, yeah. they could start by getting rid of golf and keeping the primacy of hockey going. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those frustrations that a lot of people have is... Um, Paid professional sportsmen at the very, very top of their game. Tennis is a good example, uh, and uh, to then, you know, to go, go and get involved in the I, Olympic Games. I think we've gone past the point of being worried about whether these athletes are professionals or not. My argument would be that these sports are only joining the Olympic Games for some perceived financial gain that they're going to get, and they, they ought, a lot of these sports have competitions outside of the Olympic Games that carry more weight. Yeah, oh, look, I think within yeah, the sport. Yeah, golf, golf, golf's a good example, isn't it? Well, win, win, a, win a Masters or win an Olympic gold. I mean, football's the one that really irritates me because that's an under twenty-three competition. They can't even be asked as a sport to send their best along to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. It, it kind of cheapens the. It, uh, it does. Cheapens it cheapens gold, it, it absolutely. So that's it for episode ten of the Reverse Stick. Thanks for joining us once again. Please, please, please do share with your friends. Tell your mates about it. Get onto Twitter and follow us, forward slash the reverse stick. Like us and subscribe on Facebook, forward slash the reverse stick. And drop us a line on our website, www.thereversestick.net. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, please, please, please help us out and keep keep on growing the numbers of our podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week. And just before we go, how'd you go on the weekend, mate? Well, didn't get a game this weekend. Oh, no, really? I just uh, can't eat hockey balls, unfortunately. Sometimes you've got to work. <sighs> true, true. Catch you next week, mate. Cheers. Thank you.